So what makes a man a reverend? Today on Life Talks, we're talking about ordination. Dan, how you doing? I'm fine, Reverend Ben. <laughs> Reverend Dan, Reverend Ben. Uh, we're talking about ordination. By the way, if somebody ever calls me Reverend, oh, I, I, I instantly correct them. Yeah. Don't ever call me that again. Yeah, I've, I've, when, I, don't, I think the only person that's ever referred to me as Reverend is a funeral home director. Yeah, pe- people who do not understand us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, politicians. I mean, uh, I mean, those of us that have doctorates like you— I mean, you enjoy the doctor term. Oh, yes, title. I use that I mean, all the time. If you want to really respect Dan, call him Dr. Burrell when you no, see him. No, if you him. really want to respect him, call him <laughs> Dr. Reverend. <laughs> or simply your whole uh, So we, we are in the middle of a series on why do we do that here? And uh, we've covered a lot of things, small groups, youth ministry, baptism, church membership. And Dan, we're, we're going to talk about, uh, and this came up from one of people in our church that said, mm-hmm. hey, why do we do ordination? It's because just recently we did an ordination uh, for one of our pastors on staff, Brad mm-hmm. Milks, mm-hmm. and um, it's something that the church does today, but but most people might not understand the history of it, where it came from, why it's important. So Dan, talk to us. What 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 is the significance and the importance of ordination? Yeah. <clears throat> one of the things, you know, there, there are people who feel like ordination services are... Um, extra biblical. And I I would disagree, uh, but I can understand their argument. Um, In in the modern church, um, historically throughout much of the church, but particularly in the evangelical church, there's a definition of ordination that probably does not have a lot of biblical foundation to it. So so for us today, when we think of a speak of a ordination service, it's really an investiture service. Uh, several years ago, I had a good friend of mine who was appointed to be a federal judge. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had previously been a lawyer. He'd previously clerked for the Supreme Court. But at this moment in, in his career, he was being asked to change seats mm-hmm. into a position that was very narrow in its responsibility. So they had an investiture service, mm. um, a ceremony at least. I wouldn't think call it a service, even though I prayed at it. Um, but, you know, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was there. There were like 13 federal judges there. Mm. All of his colleagues that were going to serve on the same court were there. And it was very formal. And there was there was a, you know, there wasn't a laying on of hands like you would for a pastor, but there was a, a passing of the baton and an assignment yeah. of the duties. Yeah. Um, so the idea of an investiture of, of someone who is a pastor, you know, in other denominations, they might say uh, the, in, into the office of clergy. And I don't like that term because that yeah. actually has a, a, a biblical connotation to it that's not positive. It comes from the... Uh, yeah, the Catholic Church. Well, in the, the Nicolaitans. Yeah, and the clergy and the laity. Yeah, so there and... was a division between clergy and laity, which I do not find biblical. It's, right. it's not. In fact, it's forbidden in Scripture. But there, but there is an idea that the office is a sacred office. The mm. role is a particular role of greater responsibility. The Bible tells us that those who are involved in the care of the souls will give account for those souls in the judgment day. Yeah. So the way we do our job matters here, but it even matters more in heaven. Yeah. Because we are responsible uh, to to make sure that the truth is protected and guarded and shared and propagated and explained, and and so that's why we have this. Uh, it can you know um, the biblical definition basically was was kind of more of a symbolic one. It was it was the idea of setting someone in place or assigning someone to a position, uh, and it's 
its history or origin kind of came from the idea that uh, God would use a prophet to ordain the kings. Mm-hmm. And that involved, you know, oil and that involved mm-hmm. prayer and kneeling and so forth. Um, but one, one of the reasons I think that was important is because in the, in the institutions that God made specifically for our good and for the good of civilization, there are ceremonies involved in those, whether it is the crowning of a king, or it is a wedding ceremony, or it is an ordination ceremony. Mm. The people who are responsible for the exercise of that institution um, are placed there very specifically by God. Mm. It is a calling. It is a sacred responsibility, whether you're a king or a president, or whether you're a husband, or whether you're a pastor. These are sacred responsibilities in the only three institutions that God gave. So Mm. as a result, um, when leadership was placed in the church, whether it was the deacons um, in in the Church of Jerusalem or whether it was the elder pastor teachers uh, that Paul was assigning, um, there was always this moment in time where a declaration statement was made that we would call today the ordination. Yes. Yeah. I mean, biblically speaking, we we see Paul lay hands on Timothy, right? Like there's this idea of, you know, it's not like there's this one chapter and verse that has ordination in it, but you can pick and choose. There's a number of passages of scripture. You have 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, these qualifications of an elder, right? And um, I think that's important because what Paul's saying is, you, someone has to be known for these kinds of things. This is someone that you identify. It's not like, oh, like, how do we know that? Right. It's an affirmation it's of what should have already it's been It's an obvious. affirmation of that this person's been proven to have these characteristics and these qualities, and we've seen their life, and we've seen their, their doc, we've heard their doctrine, we, we've seen things about their life that we can now lay our hands and approve this person, um, we're giving our, 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 our approval that mm-hmm. this person is qualified in this in the gospel ministry. Yeah, and I think there's two strands of approach to this that I think we ought to note. Um, one of the reasons, you know, for instance, we just ordained one of our pastors here who's literally been on our staff for almost five years. He's been working for us for four years yeah. and 10 months, yeah. and then we just now ordained him. And they're like, well, well, he's been a pastor for 10 years. Yes, but at this stage in his... We can affirm we have seen him exercise the gifts of, and he possesses the knowledge necessary to perform the function of elder pastor. That's right. He was a young guy joining our staff in his yeah. 20s. No, well, now he's in his 30s. Yeah. We've watched him. We've trained him. We've mentored him. And we've observed him. So there, there is that aspect of, of affirming what we have observed. But on the other side of it, there is also a process whereby we, we do check some boxes. Yeah. So we get testimony of his salvation and why he is in the ministry. We also get evidence from people who know him. Mm. Uh, when you form a, a council uh, to ordain somebody, uh, the invitations are people who are known to him and who will testify to his mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Um, we also invite their spouse in. Yeah. We want to hear what the wife has to say. Is he the same in public as he is in That's private? Right. Um, and then we quiz him. We ask him questions. Yeah. Uh, I Theologically. Think, from what I've heard, yours was rather vigorous. How long was yours? My 
my counsel is about four hours long. Four hours. That's that's a long one. And and, and you had seminary professors. And I had on seminary your... professors. Unfortunately, my home church is the church that all the seminary professors went to. So when they were like, "We're going to have an ordination council," it was like, it was like, it was like before the Sanhedrin, man. Yeah. <laughs> and they were asking me things, and I'm like, "Oh man!" I plus that was your home church, so everybody knew you. My ordination yeah. paper was 35 pages. Holy smokes! Yeah. Which is, I mean, if in in terms of ordination paper is pretty long, but it was Very because long. they said, here's the questions we want you to answer. And I had to answer all the questions. It took me 35 pages. I mean, it was like a mini theological booklet, yeah. you know? So mine was so much easier than that. Mine was probably on the other side of the spectrum because they did a twofer with mine. So <laughs> what I, do you mean? <laughs> there were two of us being ordained <laughs> at the same time. They um, just assumed it's going to happen. Yeah. They had, they actually called me to be the pastor, but I had not yet been ordained. Hmm. Um, and, and so... Uh, but there was another guy who had been in the church who was starting another church and they wouldn't need to ordain him at the same time. So wow. let's just do two for a price of one. <laughs> and you so let him I, have the hard questions? I, that's, I only had to answer half the questions. <laughs> You're like, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's great. I think, though, that the whole ordination, I think that in some ways ordination has been cheapened today. Oh, I totally agree. In, in a lot of ways, because now you can get ordinate, you can get these virtual ordinations on the, oh, the internet. internet. Yeah, those are um, worthless. Yeah, it's and, like and, getting a fake medical degree. And I think that there there has been a. Let me just say this: I think ordination councils in the past were much more theologically rigorous, which is good. But I don't think that they were as, um, they were not as rigorous about checking a person's character. Yeah, I, I, that's that's my take. Was yeah. that th- how ordinations went in the past? Um, now I think that they are much more concentrated on someone's character. But I think sometimes some ch- some ordination councils I've heard about were very light the- on theology and just making sure are you a good guy. And and that's that's an important thing. That again, we are above reproach. And we've got this character that matches First Timothy three as for, for qualifications of an overseer. But at the same time, Dan. If we're going to stand up and have spiritual authority at some level of of preaching and teaching, we have to know the Word of God. And I think that we've got to be extra diligent to make sure that if we're going to do that, that we test people. Yeah, that. and this kind of brings me to a little bit of a rant because <clears throat> I I am concerned that in certain circles of evangelicalism, there is an anti-intellectualism or an anti-rigor uh, to theology that concerns me. So the argument goes like something like this. You don't need a seminary degree. Paul didn't go to seminary. No, Paul was personally discipled by the Holy Spirit for three years in the backside of the desert. I would, I would add to that. But I, but I would. And I, he also was a Pharisee, so he knew. The, I mean, he knew. The, he yeah. knew the Bible front yeah. and back. I mean, that's. Yeah, but but the idea is you don't. You know, none of the apostles started a seminary and, and all these different things. That all it ought to just be a matter of mentoring somebody in the ministry through the local yeah. church. And I would also say that in those days. There's a sophistication of the culture and knowledge and available information and all kinds of things that exist today that didn't exist, you know, 2,000 years ago. Mm. It's, it, it, culture's not the same. And it, it, to me, it feels like the regulative principle, like which basically says if you don't see it specifically in the scripture, you shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Uh, t- taking a muck. Yes. Uh, we, we don't. We don't. There. This is a high calling. This is an important responsibility. Yeah. And as as the leadership is assigned, so goes the history of the church. Yeah. So if we have a bunch of 
quickly laid upon, laid hands upon uh, people occupying these positions of authority and and responsibility, the the long term trajectory of the church is not going to be deeper and more substantive. Yeah. Is, is my concern. Yeah. So I, you know, when you look when you look in Scripture, uh, you you see Paul uh, going about interviewing, training, um, and then upon affirmation of the people in that congregation, he would lay hands upon them. I want to say this also. The laying on of hands is symbolic. It is right. not supernatural. Right. You know, you, you say, what happens when they you lay your hands to like a bolt, <laughs> you get of, zapped. Yeah, a bolt of electricity? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, it's it's symbolic to uh, when, when you care about somebody, you will hug them or you'll kiss them. That's a symbol of, of your affection. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or, you know, when you're blessing somebody, sometimes you'll put your hand on their shoulder or on yes. their head. Yes. And so when you're laying on the hands, it is a symbol of of that you have found them, you are affirming their character, you're affirming mm. their knowledge, and you have found them equipped yes. for the, only God finds people worthy, but yes. we at least find them equipped Yes, um, as much as our limited uh, perspective is in, into this role and this responsibility. But the other thing too is ordination creates a relationship of responsibility That's and accountability. exactly, 100%. So uh, if done right, if done properly, and I explained this at the end of our ordination services, at any point you disqualify yourself from your office by now going against what we have observed and affirmed, whether it's through what you believe or how you conduct yourself, we retain the right to revoke your ordination. That's in other right. words, as surely as we put hands upon you, we will take hands off of you. Exactly. And and that's something that I remember seeing that done actually in my home church. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a man who was ordained uh at, at Heritage Baptist Church in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania years ago. And uh he had done some things. He had chosen a lifestyle that was not honoring to God and he was a pastor and had rejected his family, rejected God rejected the everything good in his life, everything godly in his life, and was going down a road of of um, sinfulness and self destruction. And so, it you know there was a number of opportunities of come back to the Lord, come back to the Lord. And finally, after a number of I can't remember how long it was, maybe it was one or two years. It was finally the the church got together. And again, this was a congregational rule church, and mm-hmm. what we probably need to have a conversation on church government here, but. You know, they we had a vote. I, or I, I wasn't. I was still too young to vote. But I remember the conversation in the church business meeting that said, you know, this is we've got to remove his ordination. And so mm-hmm. that's. And then they they sent him a message personally, like you are. We we've now removed our ordination from you. So if you ever want to be, you know, a church leader again, you, the, I mean, people are rogue today. Anyways, they're right. going to do their own thing. But but scripturally speaking, that was a big deal. Right. You know, we've removed our our hand of blessing on this person's life, and I think that's that's significant. Yeah. You know, for, for to to know that 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 can still happen today. And I think, by the way, that this is something that people who are in a church not only need to be aware of, but need to be concerned about. Mm. Uh, if the people who are in leadership are not biblically qualified, why not? Those yes. questions need to be asked. Mm. Um, what we often become is either utilitarian or pragmatic in how mm-hmm. we make these decisions. Well, we we need elders in our church because the bylaws call for them. And so we start sticking, well, he's a good businessman or he gives <laughs> a lot of money to the church or they're very faithful in attendance and we put them in, yeah. but they're not biblically qualified. Yeah. And then we wonder why the church shifts in direction or yes. uh, has poor priorities. Yeah. And I would ask these questions before joining a church. What is the process whereby leadership is selected and what are the credentials that you're 
that your pastors hold. I understand that if you're in, you know, um, Missoula, Montana or something, you know, some little tiny town <laughs> and the church has 70 people, that you're not going to get somebody with the same, you know, level of education perhaps or qualification that yeah. you would in, if they were in the east side of Manhattan. But at the same time, I think there needs to be a minimum. I yeah. think there needs to be an examination. Uh, and and that's, that's the whole point of Scripture, right? right? That there's a standard that we hold people to. And I think that's one of the biggest things that 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 if you don't have that standard it does fall into hey what about this guy this is a this is a good person or or yeah they they give money to the church and so i think all of these things are important for us to remember that the word of god gives the church standards and the moment we deviate and do things man's way or man's standards it's going to devolve now here's a question i have for you because you know i'm going to play a little devil's advocate cuz here's some of the things that people might say to you well dan you know do we really need ordination because you know, the Bible says the priesthood of all believers and and everyone's supposed to be everyone has the responsibility to share the gospel and to preach the gospel and and that's everyone's responsibility. So why do we need, you know, how do you how do you what do you do with an argument that people say, you know, it's really sharing Jesus and, and being a servant of God is everyone's responsibility. Yeah, and 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 I've heard that argument and you know, if you think about it. Uh, there are some merits to that. Mm-hmm. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. I'm a yeah. Baptist. Yeah. The P in Baptist stands for priesthood of the believer, right? <laughs> if you put it into an acrostic. Um, well, which simply means that everyone has access to God. Right. We don't, we don't need to go through any other human being. There is one mediator between God yes. and man, the man Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's the verse that, that yeah. we use for that. Um, however, when we're, t- when we're talking about structure and administrative, and again, I go back to... Um, Anything that has multiple heads is a freak, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's why you end up with a king. That's why you end up with a president. That's why you end up with a pastor. That's why you end up with with a um, um, husband, you yeah. know? CEO. CEO. The, the, this is part of how administration... But all of us are under the greater authority of God. Mm, all mm-hmm. authority. Because when we die, we leave our authority behind. You don't that's take right. it with you. That's right. You, you're, you, everything's equal at the foot of the cross, and it's everything's equal in the pine box. Yeah. So yeah, it's, isn't it interesting to think about there's not going to be pastors in heaven? No. no, no isn't, that, isn't that all? I mean, or there, presidents. there's actually going to be one pastor. There's going to be one shepherd, the mm-hmm. great shepherd, Jesus. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. But there's not going to have like all these levels of authority. Or, or positional authority, I should say. Like, it's interesting that when you think about that, yeah. that you know, and they're necessary because we're fallen, because we're yeah. broken. Yeah, somebody needs to hold others accountable. Mm. Someone needs to 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 use the standard, and and so there is a process whereby um, a covenant is formed, mm. an assignment is made, or an ordination occurs, mm. the laying on of hands. Mm. So whether you know, w- during the time we're recording this, you know, we have a well, we they have a new king in England whose name is Charles, right? Is it Charles the Second? Charles the Third. Charles the Third. Charles. Don't III. ask me why I know that. <laughs> You're German. You're not supposed to know. That. But, um, and so, but he has not. He has not been coordinated yet. Yeah. Why not? Because. There's a process. They're getting it all ready. There's a big ceremony, but no king is in. He's crowned, but he's not coronated. That's <laughs> so, interesting. So, it, and that's supposed to take place, I think, next May. So, almost hmm. a year away really? before the coronation occurs. Wow. 
you know. So, but in, during this time, he, he exercises the authority. He's being watched, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and so forth. But then there's this symbolic moment uh, when he's yes. fully yes. invested yes. with the responsibility. That's good. So uh, that's that's much. You know, a lot of us are doing the work of of kingship, mm-hmm. of of a priesthood, mm-hmm. of pastoring. Yeah. But there is then this higher moment mm-hmm. where we say, "I accept." the weight and the gravity of leadership in this role. Um, you know, it's it's the I do moment. Yeah. And and so um historically and in the church, I believe this is a good thing. Could the argument be made that, you know, it's it's extra biblical? Um I I would not use the term extra biblical. I would just not say clearly described yeah, yeah. any more than well there's no wedding ceremony described in scripture. <laughs> when we know there were weddings, right. but we don't know what was said. Yeah. yeah. We there's we, no outline of here's how you do it. We didn't see the early church ever performing weddings, by That's the way. True. That's they true. they're more civil. Yeah. Um so why do we perform you know yeah. there's there's a lot of questions yeah. we could ask on those but ultimately, we have decided this is good for the institution. Yes. This it's, is good it's for our, what got us Yeah, it's our way of saying we believe this this man is qualified yep. to be a, a leader, a pastor in the local church. Yeah, and I would want people in our church, uh, you know, that, that that we serve, to feel confident that when we present someone for ordination, that this is this is the st- this is a final step in a long journey mm-hmm. that is rigorous that is biblical that is careful so that they can have a certain level of confidence that comes with the process in addition to what they've observed. So there has been this testing that has mm. occurred. It's it's the moment of graduation. It's when the yeah. degree is conferred. Yes. And at that point you can kind of say yes. That's yes. good. That's great. Well, hey, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, we love talking about these kinds of things. I hope it. I hope it makes you understand that a lot of these practices and these disciplines and traditions that we have at the church, where they're where they're rooted in Scripture, how how they've been, how they have evolved over time, but all of them have a purpose in in, in us becoming a church that reflects the standards in in the theology of the Word of God. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation at Life Talks. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.